Hello everyone and welcome back. It's the BMW Blog Podcast. Uh, it's episode 27. Uh, it's a bit unfortunate. I actually promised you guys in last week's episode that this week we would have a guest on. But uh, it's actually next week we have the guest on. To be honest, we're actually recording next week's podcast tomorrow, uh, which is tomorrow at the time of recording this. And that's going to uh, air next week. That's That'll be next week's episode. And that's going to be a special episode because we're going to be talking to um, Eric Keller from Enthusiast Auto Group. And if you, uh, as you may know, Enthusiast Auto Group is probably the place to get like a classic BMW uh, in America. They do some really incredible work. So we're really excited to have him, him on uh, tomorrow for next week. Uh, that should be a really good episode. It'll be a, a video one as well because we're going to record it over Zoom. And he's going to take us uh, take us through his super secret warehouse uh, full of some pretty incredible stuff, which he teased to us earlier today, actually. So we saw some of the stuff that's in there, and it's really, really special. So I would really advise tuning in for that, especially for the the video part of it, because you'll see some really, really cool stuff. But also for the audio, because you know Eric has some really great insight on uh, classic BMWs and some really interesting stories about some of the cars he's had and uh, some of the cars they've worked on over the years. So stay tuned for that one next week. That's going to be a good one. But this week, uh, it's just me solo again. So you just have to hear my annoying voice, but we do have some interesting topics. So please stay tuned for this one because we're going to have some good stuff for you. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the Alpina XB7, which debuted, uh, today actually debuted this morning. And it's a really, really exciting car. And it's one that I can't wait personally to drive. Um, so we're going to talk to you about that. Then I also want to talk about the Toyota Supra, the new one with the 2-liter turbo 4-cylinder, which is BMW's B48 engine. And I want to talk to you about that because uh, it just came out, and it just kind of released, and the reviews about it, uh, we haven't driven it yet, but the reviews of it uh, are surprisingly positive. So I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about another non-BMW, uh, but this one doesn't have any BMW parts in it, but that's the Genesis G70. And uh, we wrote an article about it. Actually, it was me personally, actually, who wrote the article uh, last week. And the G70 got a surprising amount of love from a lot of commenters. And I was really, I, I was surprised, actually, about the positivity that came from commenters about it. So uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because I think it's a really interesting car. But uh, first, let's dive right into the Alpina because the Alpina XB7, that's the big news. That's the huge news for this week. So we got to talk about that. All right. So let's jump right in. So the XB7 is obviously based on the BMW X7. Um, it's Alpina's version, and it is, honestly, to be from the outside, looks the same. It really doesn't look much different from a standard X7. The only real differences are, like, up front, you get a new lower front valance, which says uh, Alpina on it. Uh, you know, classic Alpina stuff. That's pretty, pretty standard. For them, and then out back, you get like quad exhaust and stuff like that. The real kicker, the real standout, is uh, the wheels. You get these massive, massive 21-inch uh, classic Alpina-style wheel, um, which looks great. But there's also a 23-inch option, which is even more massive. Those are enormous wheels, um, but they're kind of like a, a matte grayish black i think it's called anthracite it's like a you know it's like a darkened uh color which is kind of unusual for alpinas you don't see that a lot on alpina cars but it looks really cool on the x7 especially if the car is in alpina blue it looks really really good um which is surprising because the x7 is not a good looking car 
So the fact that Alpina could make it a little bit better looking uh, is impressive, but uh, honestly, it really doesn't look that much different. Um, it's pretty much the same. And what actually kind of disappointed me about the XP7 personally was that the inside doesn't look much different. Um, one th and, and there's another point about the interior that I want to make. Um, it's that it actually isn't that much different on the inside than a typical Alpina is. Now, typically, Alpinas don't look all that different, but they are a lot different material-wise. You know, Alpina uses their own lavalina leather uh, everywhere inside, and there's always Alcantara and suede, and it's just gorgeous. Like, the materials are always gorgeously, it's just a gorgeously appointed car, and it always feels more special than the equivalent BMW. But the X7 doesn't have lavalina leather seats like normal Alpinas. The XP7 just has regular merino leather, um, which is nice. The seats are great. They're from the standard X7, uh, I think just the upgraded X7 seats. And they're wonderful seats, don't get me wrong. But it's just a little disappointing that it doesn't have something Alpina-specific. It even said in the press release that it was like regular merino leather seats. So that's a little bit disappointing, to be honest. Um, there is lavalina leather on the steering wheel, which is still trimmed in the blue and green uh, stitching. The, the classic Alpina blue and green stitching. And that looks really cool. And then you have like little Alpina badges throughout. And that's that's really nice. And that does make it seem more special, but it's not it's not as as different, as special, um, as other Alpina products are compared to their equivalent BMWs. Uh, like for instance, I drove the Alpina B7 and the new facelifted one, and it feels more special on the inside than the regular 7 series. Maybe I'm just crazy. And I, I admittedly didn't get much seat time in it, but it felt more special than a standard 7 Series, and I'm just hoping that the XB7 can feel the same because it doesn't look, uh, it doesn't look at, as special as the regular B7 uh, felt. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but it doesn't. It doesn't look like it's as special as I was hoping. So I'm just hoping when we actually get inside of it, it does feel that little bit more special than a standard X7. Having said that. The XB7 will be more special under the skin, or it is more special under the skin, and it will be more special to drive. Uh, let me say that more specifically. It will be more special to drive, and that's because Alpina has done quite a bit of work to, you know, the mechanical bits, the bones of the car have been modified in the typical Alpina spec, and that's very exciting. As with all Alpinas, the modifications start under the hood, so... What Alpina did was they took BMW's 4.4 liter twin turbo V8 from the uh, X7 X Drive 50i, and you know, bigger twin scroll turbochargers, new intake manifold, uh, you know, revised exhaust, uh, ECU tune, stuff like that. Uh, Alpina does actually a pretty uh, comprehensive engine um, mod. You know, when they when they modify BMW engines, they really actually get in there. They 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 really mess with it. It's not just a little tune and you know they call it a day. They really actually change some of the mechanical bits to make it not only just more powerful, but more durable, um, you know, smoother. They, they really, it breathes better. Uh, it's more responsive. Like if you drive an Alpina B7 back to back with a BMW 750i, they feel night and day different. Um, so it's not just like they just, you know, give it a quick tune and call it a day, you know, go and have some lunch. They really do uh, really tune it well. And the new XP7 is actually the most powerful Alpina ever, 612 horsepower and 590 pound-feet of torque. Um, now, yes, that makes it the most powerful Alpina ever, but it's only by a little bit because the B7 had, you know, 600 horsepower as well. 
So it's not like it's hugely different or, you know, massively uh, ahead of any other Alpina, but it's, uh, it is still technically the most powerful yet. Uh, it's not the fastest, though. Because the XP7 weighs about as much as a small moon, it takes four seconds for it to get uh, to 60 miles per hour. Now, that is not as fast as something like an Alpina B7, which does it in a low three-second range. However, four seconds to 60 for something as big and heavy as an X7 or an XB7 is insane. Now, I've driven the X7 xDrive 50i, and that's like four and a half seconds to 60, I think, something around there. And, you know, dropping that by a half a second is crazy talk. I mean, even the X7 xDrive 50i felt ridiculously fast, like too fast for its own good. The XB7 is just going to be a monster. Having said that, though, uh, Alpina does, they always do an incredible job of kind of making their high-speed cars feel more stable than BMW. So their high-performance cars always feel more stable at triple-digit speed than the the comparable BMW. So, for instance, you know, a B7 is going to feel better at 120 miles per hour uh, than the 7 Series, you know, whatever, the V8 7 Series, whatever generation it is. Um, The Alpine is always going to feel better at Autobahn speed. It's just kind of Alpine's nature. So I'm expecting the XB7 to feel a little bit better than the X7. Having said that, uh, we talked about this last week, the BMW X7 is a car I like a lot. I think it's a really, really surprising car. It drives a lot better than I think anyone expected it to. And if Alpina can make it better, if Alpina can work their their magic, then I think we're going to have a really, really great car in the XP7. I think it's going to be a sensational car. Um, if it can follow that, if it could just tweak the already really good X7 and make it that much better, that typical, you know, 20% better that Alpina does, um, I think it's going to be a really, really, really special SUV, which will help take away from the fact that it doesn't really look any different from the standard X7, but uh, I think driving-wise, it's going to be really, really, really impressive car. I can't wait to drive it. I think it's going to be really fun, uh, and I also want to see what it's like at 180 miles an hour, because that's the top speed of the XB7. 180 miles an hour in an SUV that weighs almost 5,000 pounds. That is craziness. That's madness. 180 miles per hour is its top speed. Now, admittedly, you have to get the the smaller wheels and performance tires to, to get that speed because you need the high-rated tires. Uh, and I, honestly, I feel I have like mechanical sympathy for any tire that has to do 180 miles per hour with that much weight on it. That's craziness. Um, but 180 in an SUV that big, oh man, that's got to either feel amazing or absolutely terrifying or both at the same time because that's really, really fast. I mean, I've only done like 175 miles per hour on a track in like an M5 competition. Uh, so doing 180, uh, you know, on the on the Autobahn or like a public road in an SUV must just feel like the weirdest thing in the world. That's just mind-blowing to me, that kind of speed in such a big, heavy car. It really is. Um, and that's what it's electronically limited to. I mean, I wonder if they you were to take that limiter off, could it possibly hit 190? I mean, that's just madness. Imagine that. Imagine 190 or Imagine just just pushing 200 miles per hour in general. Just even getting in the vicinity of 200 miles per hour in something that big and heavy is mind-blowing. That is, 
man, what the hell are those Germans smoking over there? Because that's that's madness. That's crazy talk. But uh, but moving on to something uh, quite a bit smaller, quite a bit lighter, and a, with a lot less power. That's the new Toyota Supra 2.0. So it's actually that's kind of a double meaning actually, and I didn't even intend for that. So. Toyota recently gave the Supra a touch of a refresh, which is a bit early considering it's only really been on sale for about a year. Um, but it seems like BMW and Toyota must have had some sort of deal where the Supra didn't get all of the good bits for a little while that the Z4 got right away. It seemed like BMW said, okay, well, you can have a lot of our, our stuff to make the Supra, but you have to hold it back a little bit and let the Z4 kind of get better reviews at first. <laughs> because... When the Super first came out, people were like, oh, it's really good. It, it is good. But, like, there are things we don't like about it. And the Z4 got, like, a surprisingly good response. I was like, wow, this is much better than we thought. And now uh, the Super comes out and or the Super gets refreshed. And people are like, wow, this is much better. This feels like it, it, it feels as good as it should have felt from the beginning. Like, this is what the first car should have felt like. And, you know, its steering is slightly tweaked. Its suspension is slightly tweaked. And maybe this is just Toyota... Uh, fixing uh, criticisms, like fixing uh, problems that people were complaining about. And if that's the case, then kudos to Toyota for going back to the drawing board and saying, hey, our customers aren't happy. You know, we have a lot of enthusiasts that aren't happy. Let's let's fix this. So uh, th that would be really great, too, if that were the case. But uh, either way, Toyota sort of fixed the Supra, you know, whether it was BMW <laughs> holding it back for a little bit or genuinely Toyota fixing it. The Supra seems better now after a mild refresh. Um, but another, so it's a 2.0 in that sense, but in, in another sense, it's a literal 2.0 because it has a new engine. So the Supra is now offered for the first time uh, a two liter turbocharged four cylinder from BMW again. Um, the first engine was a three liter turbocharged six cylinder, BMW's famous B58, which now makes 382 horsepower. Uh, which is the same as the Z4. Before, it only made 335 horsepower. So now Toyota was allowed to unlock the full potential of the engine. But included in that, um, in addition to, I should say, in addition to unlocking the full potential of the six-cylinder, Toyota is now offering a four-cylinder. So it's BMW's B48 engine um, in the new Supra. So it's 255 horsepower, 295 pound-feet of torque. That's the entry-level engine for the Supra. Uh, it still gets the same 8-speed automatic, it still is rear-wheel drive, it's still uh, basically the same, uh, just, you know, much less powerful. Now, I've been seeing in recent days some reviews from other journalists and publications uh, of the new Supra 2.0, and I've seen a lot of really, really overwhelmingly positive responses about it, and so many people, so many enthusiasts, seem to think that it's the better version of the two cars, that you want the the four-cylinder over the six-cylinder despite it being a lot less powerful uh quite a bit slower um it's just it seems to feel better and uh, most of that comes from the the lack of weight the relative lack of weight over the nose so because it's a much smaller engine over the front of the car there's much less weight over the front of the car so turning is sharper uh steering feels a little bit more responsive now this that the latter point the steering could also just be because of the updates to the car but a lot of journalists have also driven the, the refreshed cars back to back, both the, the 2.0 and the 3.0, both refreshed versions of them, and seem to think that the 2.0 still is the, the more fun car to drive. 
And that's really surprising to me because I haven't driven the Supra at all. Actually, I am driving the Supra in a little bit and I'll get to that. Uh, I'll get to that in a few minutes. But the Supra's mechanical twin, the BMW Z4, is actually better, at least I find, with the six-cylinder. And I've driven both. I drove both back-to-back. It was actually kind of funny. I tested an M40i, a Z4 M40i. After like two days, I realized that the one BMW had given me had a pretty busted rear tire. It was like really shredded up from the previous journalist. So BMW kindly lent me the the, uh, S-Drive 30i model with the four-cylinder. Uh, until the tire got fixed and I got the the M40i back. So I drove both cars quite a lot and back to back and I thought that the six-cylinder version was much more fun. It gave it like this hot rod character. Um, It was so fast, sounded great and you know I always thought the Supra would be a lot of fun with that engine because it would kind of be that hooligan that you always imagine the Supra to be, right? It's it's the icon, you know, fast and furious, you know, it, it has this this legend status to it for being, you know, a crazy sports car. So I thought that the six-cylinder would be the better version. But it turns out that from what most journalists say, that's not the case. According to most people that have driven it, the two-liter is actually more fun. And I'm really impressed by that, actually. And having driven the the Z4 with the same four-cylinder, I can kind of imagine it. I can kind of understand where they're coming from because it's a great engine. It doesn't sound anywhere near as good as the six-cylinder, but it is still a great engine. Very punchy, low-down, very smooth, has a great power delivery, um, has a nice linear power band, so it doesn't, you know, not a lot of turbo lag or it doesn't feel boosty. Just it feels like a really solid, punchy engine, and it's perfectly calibrated to that eight-speed automatic. So it actually is a fun car to drive. Um, so I can imagine the Z4 is very fun too, and you know, with that lighter, the lighter weight over the nose, it even the Z4 does feel better. So if the the Supra feels that much better, I'm really excited to drive it. Really, really, really interested to drive it, and I would love to drive both it and the z4 back to back to see if there are any differences um now i said before that i'm going to be driving the super in a little bit in a few weeks time i'm gonna have a super test car unfortunately it's the 2019 model not or the 2020 model i'm sorry not the new 2021 model that is uh that's been refreshed and updated and that's a bit disappointing because i really really wanted to test the the refreshed model i wanted to test the one that uh that everyone's talking about so my test car will be a 2020 supra with the 3.0 the b58 engine but the 335 horsepower version not the 382 horsepower version so i'm getting the old hat model but that's okay i really you know i want to drive the new supra i've never driven any supra of any kind so it's kind of ironic that the first one i get to drive is basically a bmw but um you know i am excited to drive it it's going to be really really interesting to, to test that car and uh, I think it looks fantastic, so I can't wait to get it. And it's in a great color. I don't want to uh, say anything and ruin the surprise because I think the pictures are going to be great, but it's in a fantastic color. I'm really excited about that. Um, my, my son is going to love it. Uh, I can't wait to show it off to people. It's going to be really, really fun. And I have a lot of friends that like are really excited about it because it's the Supra and they don't really care that it's a BMW. They just want to see a Supra. So that's going to be fun to uh, to show them. And I'm, I'm oh, social distancing, of course do it you know responsibly but i do want to show people the the car because i think it's going to get a lot of positive responses so i'm really excited about that that's going to be really fun and uh, actually we have a couple of really good cars on test in the next couple of weeks uh we have we were kind of on hold for a little while here in the states during you know kind of a pandemic lockdown but now uh, press fleets are opening back up and we're starting to you know see that more people are test driving cars again so we're jumping back in the mix 
And uh, we've got some good stuff lined up over the next few weeks. So, you know, stay tuned for our test drives because they're going to be some good, some really interesting cars uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, actually, only one of them is a BMW, to be honest with you. So that's going to be really fun uh, to test a lot of different cars. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. But I am excited about the Supra and the new 2.0 version. Uh, it's, it's nice to see that that engine is getting some love uh you know, in other cars, because in cars like the 330i, it's good. People just kind of go, it, it's a punchy, efficient engine. It, you know, works well, but it's something spectacular. But it's nice to see that it's getting a lot of love in the Supra, because it is a good engine. Uh, it's one I really like a lot. Actually, ironically, in the 330i, I think it's fantastic. So uh, it's an engine I'm really excited to drive in the new Supra. Now, lastly, the last topic I want to talk to you about is the Genesis G70. So last week, I wrote an article about how, or actually it was just, I was just like kind of reporting on a review from Kelly Blue Book, uh, or comparison test between the Genesis G70 and the BMW 3 Series. And it's interesting because the 3 Series has been getting so many new competitors over the past few years. I mean, cars like the Jaguar XE, Alfa Romeo Giulia, uh, you know, stuff like Cadillac ATS, cars like that have really been coming out. And not only are they coming out and taking on the 3 Series, but they're too they're really putting it to the 3 Series. They're giving it a run for its money. Some really great cars have been coming out. But I think the 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 closest competitor, the closest new competitor to really, really challenge the 3 Series has been the Genesis G70. I think it's the car that really puts it to the 3 Series the hardest because not only is it great to drive, not only is it right up there with the 3 Series in terms of dynamics, but it looks great. It comes with an outstanding warranty. It comes from a reliable company. Um, you know, it, it's it's efficient. Uh, it's it's inexpensive. It's a car that I think people can buy guilt free. Like the Alfa Romeo Giulia, I think is the best driving car in the in the segment. I really do. I think it's better driving than the three series. The new three series is close. It's really good. But I think if it were just you know, n- not me paying for it, but twisty canyon road someone handing me the keys i would take the julia i really do it's an incredible car but i would never buy one because the reliability is terrifying but if you get a genesis g70 the reliability isn't terrifying so it's a car that not only has a solid uh, well at least comes from a brand with solid reputation for reliability but also comes with an outstanding warranty and stuff like that like it's a car you can buy and not have to worry about it you can say I'll take the cheaper 3 Series alternative and I don't have to fear for it breaking down or something like you would with an Alpha or even a Jaguar. So I think it's really special in that regard and I think it's probably the scariest newcomer to that segment for BMW. You know, obviously the C-Class and the Audi A4 are great cars too that BMW has to worry about. But I think in terms of newcomers, the Genesis G70 is the biggest threat to the 3 Series because it's, you know, like for every reason I just mentioned, it's cheaper, it has a great reputation for reliability, and it's right there in terms of handling and dynamics. You know, uh, it has some things to work on, um, but I think it's really, really surprising. And what surprised me most was that after writing that article, the comments section was filled with optimism. I really, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how many people were like, wow, the G70, it's, it's going to be a good car. It's really cool. They just need to tweak some, you know, this thing and this thing, and it's going to be right there with the 3 Series. And like, that's really surprising because there are a lot of, and it's not, I'm not trying to single out BMW fans here. There are a lot of premium brand fans, premium brand customers that won't even look at a car like Genesis because it's owned by Hyundai. Um, you know, not to single out anyone, but I know some people in particular, I'm not going to say anyone's names, but I know some very specific people that I'm thinking of when I say this, 
there are some fans of premium brands that literally even like the three series customers of like a three series or people or old 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 five series stuff like that like people who couldn't even come close to affording a new uh, car from these premium brands who will scoff at a brand new genesis because it's not a bmw or mercedes or an audi and so to see comment section filled with positivity about the g70 really uh, it really made me feel good. It really made me happy to see that. It was uh, it was really encouraging to see. And I think the reason why there's so much optimism surrounding the G70 is its underdog nature. You know, it's an upstart brand. It's a relatively new brand from, you know, a plucky South Korean, you know, basically, I don't want to say econo box maker because, you know, Hyundai's really stepped their game up in the past 10 years. But, you know, for for the majority of Hyundai's history... It's been known as the maker of cheap econo boxes that are no fun. You know, they're just cheap, efficient cars, cheap, efficient transportation, really. And now they're coming out with some really special cars, and they've come out with this premium brand that's still very new. And in its first attempt at taking on the most famous premium sports sedan in history, Genesis freaking nails it. Like, that is, I think that underdog story really can resonate with a lot of people and a lot of customers. And I think a lot of people are rooting for Genesis. I know I am. So it, it was encouraging to see in the comment section how many people were you know, optimistic about the G70, how many people had positive comments about the G70, because I think it's going to be a really special car. Um, and that's another car I'm driving uh, in the next couple of weeks. So spoiler alert, I'm going to be driving, we're going to be reviewing a G70 uh, the next couple of weeks. So I'm really, really excited about that. And the one I'm driving is the 3.3 uh, twin turbo engine, uh, the V6. And, you know, obviously it's automatic because that's the only one they make. And it's rear wheel drive. So I'm really excited about that. You know, it's kind of like a hot rod sedan. It's kind of like an M340i, you know, tw uh, turbocharged six cylinder, rear wheel drive. It's going to be a really cool car. And I think it looks really good. I think the interior looks good. I haven't sat in one yet. So quality wise, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to see how it stacks up against the 3 Series and, you know, infotainment-wise and stuff like that. But I think in terms of style, I really like the interior. I really like the exterior. Uh, I'm just really curious about how it drives and how it handles, how, how smooth is its engine. These are things that I'm really, really, really interested to see because, you know, you can, you can take on the 3 Series in terms of dynamics um, and you can take on the 3 Series in terms of performance, but it's really hard to nail both. It's really hard. Like the the new three series is such a well balanced car, especially the M340i. You know, it has, you know, supercar performance from a decade ago. It has, you know, really, really, really impressive handling. The interior is, you know, impeccably made. It, it, the build quality is outstanding. The technology is great. You know, it's comfortable. It's practical. It, it it just checks every single box. So there are a lot of competitors that can check a few of those boxes. Maybe even better than the three series. Like, for instance, the Julia is, is better than the 3 Series at a few things, but it's significantly worse at other things. So it'd be interesting to see how close to checking all of those boxes the G70 can get. How, you know, can it nail the handling and the performance and the ergonomics and the technology and the interior comfort and, you know, the practicality and this and that? Can it really stack up? Because that's what makes the 3 Series so good. It's so well-rounded. It never has an egg on its face. There's nothing it does poorly at all or even comes close to doing poorly. So that's why it's so famously good. Um, so to see the G70 in its first attempt, like how many boxes can it check? How many ways can it really, really take on the 3 Series? That's going to be impressive to see. Um, you know, and is it 
good just for the price or is it really genuinely good? So I think it, I'm, I'm super excited. It's the car I'm actually most excited to be testing in the next coming weeks because it's something I've never driven. I've never driven any Genesis before. Um, so I'm really, really interested to see that and uh, to see the reaction of that as well. I, and I want to see uh, the fan reaction. I want to see what you guys have to say about it because um, just the article you know, the other day, there were so many positive comments. So I'm really excited to see what you guys say for the review of it um, because I think uh, and I've said this a thousand times, uh, I think just the more great cars on the market, it makes it, it's better for all of us, you know, competition breeds excellence. I've said it a thousand times. So, you know, when, when more great cars hit the market, it just makes every other car better because every other manufacturer has to push to, uh, to beat the the new great car. So I think Genesis coming out with something really special is going to be exciting. And I was really happy to see a lot of you guys, a lot of you readers, uh, really taking to it. I, I think that's encouraging to see. It makes it makes us happy to see that kind of, uh, you know, harmony among car fans. So that was cool to see. Uh, that's all we have for this week. Um, but stay tuned next week again. We're going to have a very special one for you. Eric Keller from EAG is going to be on. We're going to do a Zoom podcast. So it's going to be an audio version and a video version. So please check out, uh, well, check out both. That'd be great. But I would really suggest checking out the video version. Because, I mean, he's going to take us through what he calls his super secret warehouse, number one, actually. I'm assuming, just by the way he words that, I'm assuming there's more than one, which is kind of wild to me. But uh, super secret warehouse number one, he's going to take us through it. He's going to show us some of the really, really interesting cars. Again, we got a teaser today. There are some really special cars in there. So I think you guys are in for a real treat if you stay tuned to that. Uh, We're going to record that tomorrow. Um, Tomorrow, as of me recording this now... So we're recording that tomorrow, So, but it'll uh, debut, it'll air next week. So just keep your eyes open for that one. And I think it's going to be really special. And again, as always, ask me questions, nico at bmwblog.com. That's N-I-C-O at bmwblog.com. Uh, ask me whatever you want, and I will answer it. <laughs> you know, please, we like the uh, we like the interaction. So uh, please a- ask some questions. Stay tuned for next week, and thank you for listening.